0: Right here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of I've Got Questions, a pre-modern podcast. This is William Hurst, as always, talking to you again, and we are diving even more into Spanish nationals. And today we have Carlos Oriena. I cannot pronounce it right, so you're going to pronounce it for me. I tried uh, with us today. (laughs) He finished in 13th position. At the 124 person event for Spanish Naturals. Carlos, how you doing today, bud? Yeah, I'm
1: fine. I'm super happy to be to be here with you, and just um, amazed to participate in your amazing podcast. So happy to be here. Uh,
0: well, I'm glad you think it's amazing. Sometimes I just think it's uh, you know could use a lot of work, but I'm going to take your compliments. Um, so let's let's dive into this real quick, Carlos. Can you give us you know, a rough breakdown of how you found magic and then how you found yourself in pre-modern.
1: Yeah, uh, I found magic like in in Prophecy. When Prophecy came out, I think it was like early 2000s. I just was in a store and, you know, like a new store in, in my city, in my city town. We were there with some colleagues and we just discovered like these cards, these weird cards with amazing artwork, you know, and I was hooked up and I just purchased like um, a random booster. And then I was in home, like watching, like reading the, like uh, seeing all the details of the art of the cards and reading all the text. And yeah, I was hooked forever. I mean, I just played during that time, like three, three years, because at that time I didn't have any money. So the eternal rotation and everything was <laughs> was very difficult to be honest because with with our colleagues we just have uh, random decks everyone has his own color you know there i had like the green deck other person had the red deck black deck you know and yeah we were having fun but i never i never did any tournament or i, I didn't have any format deck or something like that we just Uh, play with the cards we have, you know? Mm -hmm. There were some chase cards in between us, like like Lava Axe or, you know, Rancor, this kind of stuff that was just super, super good in, in this super casual environment, kitchen table. But yeah, it was just like enjoying. But then I move on with other things in my life, you know? And as I didn't have any money to just... Constantly put onto magic, I just I just forgot. I, I I enjoy it while it lasts, but I forgot. But then when the um, when the pandemic uh, came out, we were all in home, and through Resty channel. I mean, I discovered first like the NTG Arena. I downloaded, but I was not enjoying. You know, this type of magic, I, I, I was just not really enjoying a lot. But then I don't know why in YouTube some like videos uh, came out and I discovered like three years ago, Resty, uh, like old school MTG channel. He was the first one to, to put, uh, to put uh, games of pre-modern in the YouTube. And I discovered like the rock and the uh, pernicious did and those spirit mongers that were the chase cards, like 20, 30 euros cards back in the day. And I just like, uh, check how are these cards, uh, how much they cost? Who's playing this format? And yeah, I, I saw that they were extremely cheap. <laughs> I put, I put, uh, God bless you. I Thank put you. like the, the rock super cheap, like I mean, uh the it was like maybe five euros, recurring nine or ten, everything was super cheap. And yeah, I little by little I started to I started to play and start to learn magic because I didn't know how to play magic properly back in the day.
0: Yep, that's a pretty familiar story uh, for a lot of us in pre-modern. All of that resonates with me. So let's quickly turn to um, the Spanish scene in pre-modern. I had a little chance before also to talk with uh, Nacho, who is one of the main organizers for Spanish Nationals, but you've also been pretty involved. And I know the community uses a lot of uh, kind of WhatsApp stuff, which is a little bit more of That sounds like it's much more common overseas or outside of America. It's not a huge one in America, but I'm familiar with it. Tell us, you know, how this Spanish scene, which I find to be one of the most consistent scenes in pre-modern, came together and has grown to the point where 124 person national, I mean, that that's a size, man. That's that's a size. How did how did we grow from where it was to where you guys are now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I started like three years ago. It was, uh, the the online scene was not non-existent. In my region, nobody played, <clears throat> like except one or two people, random people in different areas. Nobody was playing, uh, like pre-modern. In, in two years prior, like seven or eight people were gathering in Ingenio, one, one shop and Iñaki and some other people like started with the format but they stopped playing like one or two years ago because it was not like, mm, I mean with the pandemic it was the perfect time for the nostalgia for people like me with like 30, 35, 40 years old that were in home and that window of opportunity everybody was hooked up with Premodern because it had the nostalgia factor, it had the gaming and the community factor. And uh, little by little with a few steps, but very consistent, the community keep growing. What I did um, emulating what Andrew Walker was doing uh, worldly, I did the Spanish version of the monthly for Spanish people and South American people. Uh, not a lot of uh, so it's like 50-50 Spanish people uh, know uh, speak English but the other people don't speak so I thought, okay, maybe this is good for gathering online the people so they can play at home with the camera and we have a steady consistent tournament we've been doing this tournament for 28 months straight on so like more than two years uh, now and also uh, apart from that i created the the youtube um so we we had the youtube uh, resty but i tell him okay resty this tournament that i'm putting on maybe we can uh, we can broadcast the top games in your channel so you have monthly recurring um broadcast material that is interesting you have the finals, semi-finals, so you have like you don't need to be creating content because I will give you the, um, the monthly the monthly paintings and so on, and you can so it, it was like a synergistic synergistic um, synergistic help one with another. I also created the um, the trading uh, Spanish premodern WhatsApp uh, channel. Also created the, here in Spain we have like a group that absorbs all the little community. So in, in in Spain, every region has his own WhatsApp community. And we have an umbrella an umbrella group that has all together. So if you enter in a in a region, then you belong part from the premodern España, like premodern Spain and And nowadays we we are like five hundred fourteen players there, so it's like in sp- in Spain there are potentially more than five hundred uh regularly p- people playing the format so that that is that is very good because uh that's what means it's like you can um steadily find people to play and those those little regions, they created step-by-step. Step. First, four or five people start playing and they were showing up every day. Then two or three more people came, you know, and step-by-step, step, all those communities become uh, very, very robust. In, in Barcelona, we have like monthly 30, 35 people, Alicante, same numbers. Tecnoliga, they are doing uh, weekly weekly events 15 20 person Madrid like 60 person every every month Bilbao Zaragoza Malaga Mallorca you know every every region has has his own WhatsApp group with their own tournaments and people is showing up people is enjoying people is buying cards people is trading cards people is Sharing. Okay, this is my idea for this deck, you know, and people is helping them. So I, I, I think I think the the community is very robust, and people is enjoying, it. and that was one of the key elements of the success of the nationals of the last week because the community was super super engaged, and it was it was magical to be honest.
0: That sounds awesome, and that sounds like a great a uh, way to build a community. Um, and if you got 504 players uh, playing regularly, I can assume these Nationals are going to start start growing uh, year after year after people see the fun. So let's dive into Nationals. So 124 people, big tournament, seven rounds. It's a long day. You piloted Goblins, which is the deck you came in as runner-up in the June monthly in losing only to Dreadnought. Um, and when we had talked a little bit before, Insider Peak, we did this podcast before, and technology sucks. So here we are again. Um, was you you like experimenting in kind of the smaller tournaments, but when in big tournaments, goblins, goblins is right now your thing. You you are very hype on goblins. Can you give me, you know, you know, the shorthand version of why you think? goblins is the best deck to play why you chose to play it um in this event
1: uh yes i when when there are small tournaments i try to find like different decks to try and test you know because in barcelona goblins it's extremely played so uh it's a field that i can experiment and i can try some ideas but as you say when it comes to big events i usually Go for the Goblins route. I think Goblins, although everybody thinks it's a tier one deck, it's still underappreciated. The depth of the deck, all the all the all the tools that the deck has and all the consistency that the deck has, it's super super underappreciated. Because uh I think one of the key elements of the Goblin's deck, it's like for many, many people, it's considered a beginner's deck. It's, it's not unusual that if a person comes to the format, one of the first decks that they pick is Goblins. Do I consider that to be a good thing? I do not consider that to be a good thing, and I will explain why. So Goblins has a cheat code wins with Lucky and so on. If you start to play magic with the cheat code. When you don't have the cheat code, it's much more difficult for you to win because you are winning games that maybe your level of playing will not, uh, will not achieve, but you are getting those wins with goblins. You know what happens usually with that? Years go by, and you, you, you cannot, uh, you cannot uh, break the the threshold of um understanding all the paintings having your deck to be super powerful in other areas you know the the thing that i like most about the goblins deck is that you can you can play any type of game you like so one of the most important things to notice is goblins it's not a zoo deck goblins it's a value deck I consider the Junt of the of the um, of the pre-modern format. It's a deck that it has a lot of uh, two per ones, three per ones, four per ones. Also, you can control their lands. You have like the cheat code win with Lucky, and sometimes you can only control the kickers of the opponent. For example, decks like uh, Heavily Reliant now on Oath or uh, Stasis, or decks that are very reliant on one card. In my list, I have six Artifacts Enchantment removals, plus your your, your Richard and Ports and Wasteland, plus Tormod's Creep, plus Pyro Blast, uh, Retanamental Blast, you know. I'm not afraid to take the control side of the, of the table, because even, even if I play the control, I just need like one, two creatures to end the game. Because if I'm on the control side, I can punish, I can punish your, your key cards. One of the big elements of a successful deck, it's like not having, not depending on one card to win. And this is one of the uh, strongest features of the Goblin deck. You can reach the win position, in multiple ways, that is very difficult for the opponent to anticipate.
0: Gotcha. So let's jump on to something real quick as far as how the deck is built. You talked about controlling their lands. And a big debate in the Goblins list is the mana base. And especially if you're going for the controlling the lands function, is it Rishidin port or Rishan port or is it Wasteland? If you're that direction, you chose a unique. Direction You chose a split. You went two and ports, three wastelands. How did you come to the conclusion that that was the way you wanted to go?
1: Yeah, I tried many different iterations. Like with, uh, I was was like working on with the four wasteland for some time. Then I split it uh, with one port. Then in some tournament, I just played the, the port and no wastelands. And I reached to one key conclusion. So, Rishadam port is extremely good when you are on the play. Because you start with your land, you usually want to put one creature. It's lucky, it's uh, mock fanatic, it's even a skill prospector. Your opponent will, will put a land and then you will control the opponent's land and you keep start attacking. Okay, but what happens when your opponent starts? Then you are not in the tempo of the game and you will not lose two mana to tap the land in the third turn of your opponent, you know? But you have the, 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 good, the good action when you are on the play. But if you are on the draw, you need to recoup the tempo. And Wasteland, is super, 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 super interesting. For that, for example, if you think about the rock, if the rock is on the play, they might play Treetop Village for the green mana. They might play uh, Januwar Wastes, and you can punish that. You can punish that a lot with the with the wasteland. So, if you play, for example, if they play Januwar Wastes or City of Brass, and you put your your lackey, then they have the option for killing your lackey. You can, you can just um, disrupt their mana and, and wait for the lucky later. So they are, they, are, they are wasting their turn. They are not using their mana and you are uh, like undermining their mana base. That what happens with goblins? People is afraid of the turn one lucky. So a lot of times they, they over mulligan to find the turn one response, but their mana is sketchy. So Wasteland
0: helps a lot in that situation. Gotcha, gotcha. And then looking further into the list, a couple of <clears throat> different choices. So one is you played a one of Hearth Charm in your link with list. We've seen that a couple times um, and a Crumble in the sideboard. Kind of tell us about those two, you know, different choices and how effective they were.
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, I think uh, Herchan, main deck, it's very, very, very good. It's useful in many different kind of scenarios. Main one being like killing the Dreadnought or killing uh, Mizra's Factory or just uh, sneaking the Lucky or sneaking the Pine Driver. Also, if you have a Go White um, Battlefield, you know, plus one, plus zero to all your creature is huge. So, I always like those kind of um flexible cards that can can play different roles and opponent is not expecting you to play to play this kind of different sneaky cards you know for example Hell charm is very very useful against uh, the rock if they put their walls sneaking a lucky there it has a lot of advantage also uh, it's a card that your opponent ah, they, they usually don't know the three the three modes. So they, they might think okay this card do, does this, but you can you can take them like uh, off guard with this. So in a Dreadnought meta, I think it's very 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 useful. In the June monthly, I had a second Herchamp in the site, but what I found, is they bring the hydroblast, so then the red answer is not so great. Crumble does the same against um, against the red Knot, but with green, so they cannot they cannot hydroblast. And I really like Crumble. They it's a very very nice response. Some decks with a sphere of resistance, like mood type of decks, you know. Even with the um, with the with the bridges and some elements crumble just for one mana, it's very 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 robust, and I just think that helps with my plethora of different answers to enchantments and artifacts. I have tranquil domain, I have hull bridge, I have the crumble naturalize, her charm. So even for a uh, meddling mage, it's more difficult just to annul some of my cards so I just like this uh diversity in the removal spot
0: absolutely those those all make sense and that brings us kind of to the sideboard kind of last question before we dive into the day itself is your sideboard much like a lot of goblin sideboard is very spell heavy versus creatures I mean you have a goblin king in the sideboard and that's your only other creature you're bringing in how are you? Prioritizing what you're siding out in matchups. Like, I would assume that in many cases, like, uh, Mog Fanatic can be a good side out. A um, Goblin Sharpshooter could be easy. How did you go about doing your sideboarding with this deck?
1: Yeah. um, I never, ever, ever side out Goblin Sharpshooter. Because at the end of the day, it's easy that you can make like 2-3 damage with him. And if you have Chief, that is another card that I never signed out, it's always so good to have it. Because it's, sometimes when you play against control or against other decks, sometimes you are in the last mile. They are two lives, they are three lives. Those last points of damage are sometimes very difficult to deal so I really like Sharkshooter. One of the one of the um, one of the cards, as you said, it's Mog Fanatic. Another one is Pile Driver. Pile Driver, I, I shave one or two in many games where I think it's not super relevant to go white and to be more controlly. So I have like one, two creatures. I usually take off one, two pile drivers. Also, if I'm bringing a lot of a lot of hate cards. One or two ring leaders, they they also go down. And also, it depends, but some kind of uh, Oath Cataclysm or like Destruction Heavy Decks or this kind of stuff, I just shave the the higher mana cost, you know? Maybe I'll I'll leave there one CGM Commander in case I have a mage and I can search. But if I'm going for the control route where my cards are like CMC2, you know, CMC two plus the ports plus the plus the wastelands. I just don't want CMC fours or five. You know, Goblin Warchief, Goblin Matron is always there, lucky it's always there. Skill Prospector, one off, it's always there, sharpshooter as well. But then in the Pine Driver, uh, Ring Leader and Siege Gun, I I tend to I tend to shave there. Also Tinkerer, if they don't have any artifact. But it's usually what I'm bringing on. If I go against Aggro, it's like three Pyrokinesis, one Goblin King, always there. Also, if the, if the deck has black, I always put there one Goblin King. That gave me the painting the against John Brutina in the June monthly. So I just love to have there one Goblin King with a Matron. So if you have a War Chief, it's four mana, plus one part, plus, plus one your creatures, and you annul the... Um, the opposing and generally blake. So I really like uh, one Goblin King in the side. And if they have black, it's always my way to go.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into the event. Now, When tell me first about kind of the, the atmosphere of the event. We see a lot of these bigger events. I don't think I've heard of a big event that had an atmosphere that wasn't amazing. What was the vibe of the room when you guys got there?
1: I mean, um, we had like the previous day tournament and I was there just to fill the room, you know. I just wanted to have uh, a sense of what what the people were bringing and so on. And as the day before, I was not sure about what deck should I play. I was there with Oath Palouche, like the Green White Cataclysm Oath deck that I was testing. And I played that, and I, I finished first, first position. There was like 35 people, uh, and the three, the three first people at the end of the event, we made top, six, top 15 for the next day as well, because it was like the clerics deck that <laughs> I lost to twice during the, during the big tournament, and uh, um, Welder stacks as well. So those, those two spicy decks, they were doing great as well the day prior. So I, I went there, and we were, we were gathering with the people. you know, As in, as in the Spanish, we have the Hispanosfera, there are other tournaments. We almost know 60, 75 percent of the people we already know from other years, nationals and from other uh, tournaments. So it was it was very, it was very nice
0: that's that's awesome so you're settling in for the event um i'm not sure if you're a person who gets nerves even though you're a very accomplished player going into anything like that like i want to start off well all of that sort of stuff kind of take us through your day if you remember cool parts in the matchups cool cool people you met take us through those first seven rounds before we got to that top 15 cut
1: yeah uh at the end of the uh, I mean, at the end of my Friday, everybody was thinking, okay, Carlos have made it to the top. He won this event with Cataclysm. He will be on, the, on this deck for sure for the next day. But I, I was not sure. I was not sure at all. I had with me Survival Rock, the deck that I put together as well. But also, also decks that I didn't like with the Survival Rock, so... I thought okay maybe my parallax is not good maybe other combos or the mood is not good as well so although i had there i just dismiss it but i was very high on goblins and i was even higher after i test the oath Palouche against me with the goblins deck i like I, I like test with the sideboard and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm pretty nice with goblins. I, I'm pretty confident about that. And also when the, when the Saturday, when the sun, when the sun came up, I just think to myself, like looking to me at the mirror, it's like, okay, if you, if you have to win this tournament, you have to beat Pablo and you have to beat other burn decks and you have to beat other elves decks would you be able to do it with the Cataclysm deck? Because last year I was just uh, 19th with uh, like almost the same number of people, but I finished 19th. I was just at the front door of the, of the, of the top, but they were chilling inside and I was just outside, you know? So this year I just thought to myself, okay, uh, it was one of my goals to reach, uh, to reach uh, the top in one of the big events. And I thought to myself, okay, if I play Goblins, I think my matchup against Enchantress is good. And there were many Enchantress there. My matchup against Elves, it's good. Against Replenish, it's good as well, because I, I've tested many, multiple times. Uh, I like my pairing against Lamsteel. It's even, but I think I have... I, if I have good start with the lands and lucky or sneaking there, port, uh you know, I can deal a lot of damage. And the other decks, like, usually combo decks, I have the Tormoch Clip, I have the Land Denial Strategy. I can be faster than them. That's one of the key pieces of Goblins. Like, if you need to go fast and you need to run, you go search you go mulligan, you go up to mulligan to five, as I did against a land still player in my first spading. I just, I just was on the play game one. He didn't know what I was playing because I was like spying on him, but he didn't spy me back. He was like the, the runner up for, uh, of last year. So I spied on him. Uh, so he was playing land still, and I think, okay, maybe he's thinking I'm, I'm on the, same deck as yesterday or maybe he doesn't even know what i'm bringing onto the table so i'm i'm gonna go for the quickest route i found and in my mulligan to five i had amazing hand and i i turned three kill him because i was on the play he was not expecting turn one lucky and i just destroyed him you know so uh that's one of the key elements i thought as well with the goblins Although, although everybody and his mother have played against goblins and everybody knows the matchup, I think it's super reliable deck if you know what if you know what you're doing, if you have your, your sideboard prepared of what you need to do. And I was I was confident. And my day my day was as I expected. Uh beating Enchantress first round uh else. Uh, second round I did a mistake in the, in the first round because I, I had I, I had to win to 0 but I, I just made a, mix, a mistake in the second game that cost me that game because I was thinking more than I am in the lands and he had the elephant grasp and instead of attacking with two creatures I, 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 in one turn I was just like okay I'm going to port and I'm going to waste one of your lands and then he found other, other, other pieces. And those four damage that I didn't did that turn, he was at, the, at two lives, when he had like, a plague, worship, and, and, another, and another piece, you know, another lock piece in second game. So I thought to myself, okay, even though you have won this game, you have to play more consistent because I, I was super high on the Goblins deck, during this summer, I, I put a lot of effort in magic. I read three books. I read some articles and I just banished. Uh, I just erased from my head any like, uh, any like things that were not helping me, you know, like limiting myself, like putting on myself uh, ideas that they were not correct. And I thought to myself, okay. If you if you want to win and you want to play your best, you need to play the decks that you think it will be more shoot against the meta game, and you need to play best Magic you have ever 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 played. So I just concentrate a lot on triggers, on card kind advantage, of on different me- mechanics. You know that I was trying to I was trying to optimize for myself, and I, and, and I, I thought. Goblins was the perfect fit for me it did very good in the June monthly and I thought to myself okay Goblins has has uh, like put me on the biggest event like the monthly event I won like five six or seven tournaments small tournaments like uh, 30 person tournaments but I play more than the other people you know those people is not super engaged with the format so it's usual that I'm, I might win them. So I, I, I thought to myself, Goblins has an edge over the best deck in the format, that is Elves, and also gives me flexibility to play in the control role, to play in the aggro role, even sometimes the combo role, and the most important thing, the valuer role. Because against decks like mid-range or decks that try to try to smother, your your creatures. You at the end of the day with uh, Goblin Magician, Ring Leader, City Commander, and so on. You gain you gain card advantage, and they cannot rec- recoup from that. You also get card advantage with War Chief when you can like cast your spells uh, for less mana, so you you have card advantage on board. So th- there are many there are many many different ways with goblin that you have advantage, you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just on board, but sometimes it's on board and on hand. And also you have usually you have life advantage. So for example, I tried the landsteel deck. I'm not a I'm not a expert on the landsteel, but I just like to play usually all the different archetypes. And what I feel when I play landsteel, it's like I need, I need to come back every game. You know, it's like, it's like playing with black in chess when your opponent is aggressive and you are always, like, in a defensive position. When I play Goblins, every game, I can decide which role I, I, I can pick, you know? And there are not so many, so many decks that can do that in pre-modern. Else, it's another one that can do that. Goblins. And decks that can be super fast, like... Turn one early game, turn two, mid game, turn three, end game, you know? Like uh turn one lucky, turn two lucky connects and commander pipe driver, turn three end game, you know? Or else, turn one, uh, you know what else, turn two, cradle, priest, and survival or tangle wire, and turn three you're dead. You know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like it it sounds like the Deck did what it was supposed to, do, as you're saying, card advantage. It's really, really hard to like. I, I played, uh, I play a lot of sly when I'm pl- not playing stasis, and people always, you know, the sly versus goblin matchup is are always interesting because it comes down to that card advantage. Is like, do they see ringleader? Okay. If they ever see ringleader, you have to shift your gear, as Aaron Dix says in that matchup to burn face. Because once they have a ringleader, you can't one for one their goblins, or you're gonna lose. Um, so ringleader is that card advantage turning point. So I definitely see what you're saying. So you had a great day. You made it to the top 15 cut. You had a boogeyman this entire tournament. And yeah. the deck yeah. that people it's the deck people really want to know about. It's the mono black, like Cleric zombie deck. Now, when you hear that, you're like, Goblin should run that over. Like, you're doing all (laughs) these things, whatever. What made that match up your boogeyman? Because you lost to it in the Swiss, I believe, and then you lost to it in the top 15. Yeah. What made that deck your boogeyman?
1: Yeah. In the Swiss, he smoked. He smoked me big time. I didn't even knew those cards. You know, like Caval, Archon, Dark Supplicant, Scion of Darkness. I, 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 just, I just was shuffling my deck like, okay, third, third, third painting. You have to consider that. In the third painting, I was like in, in table 11 because I have won 2-1 and two zero. I had Pablo, de Yanower, like Pablo Suarez with, uh, with Elves just in front of me, but not, not the cleric, so next to him. In the left side of him, I had uh, I had uh Poza that was running uh parallax type with blue. He also made top. At my right side, I had like um a slide deck, not the champion, another one. And at on my left side, I had like the rock. So I thought to myself, okay, I'm perfect in this in this in this metagame, because those are the decks that I'm prepared for, that I've test for. And I'm usually even or in, a, in advantage against, against those decks. And I, I see the people, the, my, per, my front person shuffling, and I, I saw some, like, weird, obscure, black card, and I, and I think to myself, black? Okay, I just, I, I don't know, I don't know, I think I'm good. And, man, he smoked me big time. It was like just uh that ritual, that supplicant Prince of geeks, Rodlum reanimator. He was he, in the in the two games he had like rituals, super powerful early effects, like uh, killing my creatures, to two, two, 2 creatures so my lucky cannot connect, you know yeah, he he had like the Archon that even if 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 he don't attack, if he have like five creatures, he sacrifices all his board. And he deals ten to me, and he wins ten life, and then with the creature that he has sacrificed, zombie appeals. So yeah, it was impossible for me. I just, I just didn't have that deck in my matrix of paintings that I did before the tournament. So, I mean, I was cut kind off word, and I said to myself, okay, this guy has this uh, obscure deck that is his brew that he played in Legacy million years ago, and. Okay, let's do it. Uh, I've lost. I tried to I try to play my best, the remaining games. And for sure this deck will not be there for tomorrow. I don't need to I don't need to you know I don't need to be just super super angry with me or I don't need to be preoccupied. But at the end of the same day, I discovered that <laughs> he finished ninth and I finished eighth. So yeah. It was my dancing it was my dancing queen for the next day. So I was just like, oof, this will be this will be difficult. And in my in my Hispanosfera WhatsApp, everybody was saying to me, Oh man, you have so much bad luck. We'll see you tomorrow. And then that night I did a uh, work with myself and I prepared myself for the next day.
0: So how did um going to the next day, knowing that was your pairing. And that by the way is something cool I like about Spanish Nationals that, you know, I know it's harder to do, but I- I've always loved a day two top eight or a top fifteen, um, where, you know, I don't know if it was open deck list, but you at least know what you're playing. So you can go home that night if you choose to, you can test. Um did you do beyond working with yourself any testing with people or what did your your evening dreams Think up of like, was this a fluke that I lost this matchup? Or my God, I can't ever win this matchup. What, what did that look like before the next day?
1: Yeah, the first thing that I did was like uh, going to TC decks and trying to find the same deck. And the same deck didn't appear because he has been playing with white and he has been brewing with other, with other cards. So I didn't find the exact list. But at least I found the cards. So I can check, like, every interactions. I, I, I can check, like, um, one of the things I, was, I, I realized is he was high on the CMC3. So he had, like, Kamala Archon, Radlund Reanimator, piece of Geeks. A lot of cards were three mana costed. And I thought to myself, okay, Port seems very good in that matchup. He was uh, high on swamp, so wasteland was not very good. But uh, I, I see, okay. He, uh, he, the potentially one mana blocker is that supplicant that I can kill with a mock fanatic, and I also can kill it with the with the Game Pump incinerator if I start strong. So my lines, my lines were okay. Uh, if I go, I will be in the play because I finish. Uh, better than him in the Swiss. I thought to myself, okay, if, <clears throat> if I can put pressure early and if, if in the two games prior, he had that ritual in every game. But I thought to myself, okay, if he doesn't find his dark ritual and he's on the back foot because he's on the draw, I think I can get him on the first game because he doesn't have a January plague Maybe he has only one or two snuff outs. You know, I, I thought to myself, okay, after sidebar, he's gonna bring the plagues and the snuff outs and everything, you know? So I need to, I need at least, I need to win him on the first game. So he will start like fearing that I can just win. Because as far as the prior day he smoked me big time, I thought he was uh, very confident with that matchup. And I just thought to myself, with all my readings and all my experience, okay, this is your destiny. You have to you have to overcome that. I overcome the Oath Cataclysm deck on Saturday. Bedast that was playing the, the list that I give him the prior night, he played against me, he smoked me on, on game one, big time. But game two and game three, I just put all the hate on there and I just win. And I was winning against Oath Cataclysm that a lot of people say that it's impossible for goblins. So I thought to myself, okay, I have experience. This guy has been playing Premodern for six months. He is a, a long-time MTG player, but he maybe doesn't have that many experience on Premodern. I'm on the play on the first game, and if I can win the first game, and maybe second or third game, he moves... You know, he doesn't have that super, super awesome, uh, that ritual hand. Maybe I can win. So I was trying to be confident with myself. And, and I was presenting in the painting with high, high confidence. You know, I, in, the, in the third game. So after the first game that I won, I had like two or three friends there saying to me, okay, you're going to do it. Uh, I have confidence with you. And the guy was not just super confident, you know, because with Sharpshooter in the first game, I got him big time. He, he put the sign of darkness, but I block and I kill it. And Sharpshooter sharp shooter did massive work on there. So I, I, I was having a window where I thought, okay, most probably game two I'm losing because he's on the play. And he has like perfect tools against me, like removal, generate plague, and so on. But maybe, maybe, maybe on the third game, he can fail with his hand and I can just put him on the pressure. But then my surprise was like the guy told me that he only mulligan once in the entire tournament. (laughs) So I was saying, okay, third game, you mulligan to five and I win, and we are friends forever, man. And he said to me, no, i just only mulligans once. <laughs> so yeah, we start the game. I put the turn Lucky. He put uh one Dark Supplicant. I had the gamepad. I killed it. And I was going to attack. I was ultra happy and he snuffed out. So he had the display there because he could snuff out my Lucky. So I don't kill his Dark Supplicant. But I, I think he was just uh, kind of nervous and Maybe he didn't know exactly how how game works. So that that worked on my on my behalf because as I thought he maybe is not that that experienced on the you know those, time, those things sometimes happens. There are so many triggers and so many stuff that it's difficult to to have everything on the paper. So he, uh, he also killed me like I, I was uh, when when he killed me my lucky after the game plan, I was like, okay, yeah, continue because I have pied driver. I have very very good hand in game three. I thought to myself, this is going to be very hard for him to beat me, but he had two snuff outs. So in ten cards, he he draw two snowouts, and second snuff out was extremely key because it protect their goal, their, their volume reanimator from my second game plan because ten two I put the. I put the driver and turn three, I put the Warchief. but when I was going to attack with Warchief, he is moved out, you know? And then in his third game, in th- his third turn, he had the Robloom Reanimator. Although I have Naturalize and Pyrokinesis in my hand, I could, because in his third turn, he Priest of Geeks and and, uh, and the Robloom Reanimator. But I only had one creature in hand, in, in play. So... That prevents me. If I had like the war chief and uh, and uh, and the pine driver, I can kill it. Like I can get pump reanimator your or You put one zombie, and then with my pyrokinesis I destroy both the both of your both of your creatures. But that that was too much because then he, he had like the the plague. I had the naturalize, but with rodloom reanimator I was not able to. I didn't not draw like. Maybe one fanatic there, or something like that, that I can destroy the world. Long reanimator, and then just um, have pyrokinesis and just start uh, going over. And he also like the ball, runs. so he he really had very very good answers against me, and it was not possible. But at the end of the day, mm, I mean, I, I I wore my best. That deck I didn't have in any chart or any painting because uh, nobody plays golf or athletics and this was a brew so super happy for him that his brew reached uh, semi-finals and i also like check box one of my goals for the year to reach the top so yeah uh, i mean i could not do it better i tried my best I, I win the first game, and I was just on the verge of the
0: third
1: game. So
0: that yeah, was it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it sounds like quite a run, and congratulations on that top finish. I know you're working super hard for it. Uh, I know Spanish Nationals will be back next year. I know there's going to be plenty of tournaments in between. So one thing, uh, Carlos, for you right now is I want to give you um, – because I'm not sure how much uh Spanish coverage there will be as far as podcasting. I want to give you the floor now to um kind of say anything you wanna say, any congratulations, any shout-outs, things like that, um, in your native language of Spanish, um, just to speak to to those who that resonates more than maybe an English podcast, if that makes sense. So go ahead. Here's a floor, any message you want to send out in uh, Spanish to your fellow players, people who may listen. It's all yours, my friend.
1: Yeah, eh, Felicidades por el gran torneo que se organizó en Gremio de Dragones a través de la Tecnoliga de Valencia como siempre. Fue un placer jugar. La comunidad fue estupenda. Todos nos llevamos super bien. Felicidades al campeón que hablé con él, hablé mucho con él. Y es una persona que le está metiendo 20 horas a la semana al Magic. Es una persona que, aunque lleva seis meses, está preparándose fuerte y está conociendo el formato. Totalmente merecido. Un saludo también a mis compañeros de Barcelona y de Cataluña, que conseguimos meter a 4 en el top. tres de los cuales eh, fueron eh, Goblins, que en, en Barcelona jugamos Goblins, no jugamos Premodern y un gran saludo a toda la comunidad española y eh, continuar así para el año que viene ser más obtener eh, nuevas y disfrutar entre todos
0: all right my friend well Carlos again thank you for being with me again on this podcast um it was a wonderful conversation I know you're gonna keep kicking ass anytime I see you keep rocking it with the goblins Um, so for myself, the whole audience, thank you for being with us to the audience guys. There's never been a better time to play pre-modern it's everywhere. It does not matter what country you are. If you can get to an event, if you have MTGO, if you have a webcam, you can play it all. It is a load of fun. Check it out. Just Google it. So with that being said, Carlos, again, thank you for being with us. We will catch everybody. Yep. Thank you. And we're going to catch everybody on the next episode. Take care.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.